Hello, everyone, and welcome to At the Elephants. I am your host, Rob Morris. This is the one and only North Carolina School of the Arts alumni, faculty, guest artist, whatever the fuck you want to call it, podcast. There's only one. And if anybody else comes up with it, you're late. You're late to the game. I started this shit in 2014. Uh, I wanted to start one off that way because I never mentioned any of that stuff. And people are like, what the hell is this again? I'm like, oh, this is what it is. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. It's going to be a good one. It's a long one, uh, but worth it, I think. We had a really good chat, me and my friend Beth Hawks. Beth uh, gets added to the list of people uh, that I would say, and we kind of address it at the very end of the episode, that was like a, a, a strong acquaintance. I wouldn't I wouldn't call her a friend until we did this, really, just because we didn't really know each other. It's one of those people that you are at school with, but you, you don't really get to know. You kind of see in passing a lot, but you never really get to know them. Well, I got to know her, and I like her. She's cool. She's a cool chick. I always thought she was super funny. Um, I always thought, uh, you know, you know, you see her in shows or you see other people in, you know, when they do monologues, she was below me in class. So, uh, you see people do monologues and stuff like that. You're like, oh, there's some talent over there. And you see stuff like that, but you never get to know him. Uh, got to know her. She's great. You're going to love her. Um, glad that you're joining us, uh, for this show at all. Uh, that's always greatly appreciated. Wanted to touch on a few things in that dimension. First of all, this is one of two episodes the one previously with David Gao and this one that I recorded, uh, I don't know how, I still don't really know how to say it. I recorded it poorly is the point. Um, my settings were not correct on the microphone, so I had to go in and do some kind of advanced editing to make it uh, work. So this had some more musical breaks in it than it normally does. Uh, there's some more like little transition moments, uh, but that was necessary in order to make it not sound weird. There are still a few moments of it that do sound weird, and I apologize, but I figured out what it was, and it won't be a problem going forward. I've already done two interviews since then uh, where I did not make the same mistake, so we're good on that front. But um, so glad to have you listening. Please subscribe. Uh, and download our episodes on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or however you're finding this. Um, we love a rating. The five-star rating goes a really long way. Even further is a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That is super-duper helpful. So if you have the time uh, and you enjoy the show, please take a moment to do that. Um, got some great guests lined up. I'm getting a little bit more ahead of myself now as far as having them recorded a little farther out. Uh, I think we have into the third week of August almost recorded, which is, um, you know, pretty good getting ahead of this game because I'm about to uh, have to go back to some television work in the fall and it's going to be tough to juggle this, but I'm going to keep it going because I fucking love doing this. It's one of my favorite things. I love that people are actually listening to it. It's growing all the time with how many people are tuning in and I greatly appreciate that. So uh, for all of you folks who are enjoying this show, uh, people ask like what they can do to help. If you know other NCSA or UNCSA alums that haven't done the show yet, there's no one I don't want to talk to. So you tell them, hey, have you done the show? You haven't? Go do the show, especially if they're in Los Angeles. And if you're in New York, I'm coming for you. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. Time will tell, but I'm going to be over there soon. We'll do a whole like week tour of New York, and then I'll come back with like – a million interviews and we'll post all of them uh so thank you guys enjoy beth hawks
I let her name the price because I was like, you just she's been the best. But I'm not yeah, gonna. For sure. I don't think I'm gonna do it again after this. So right. But it's okay. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. For sure. And I hope that people. I think people when they take it personally when you tell them you they don't like that you don't like their animal. Yeah. I think it's crazy. Yeah, because I know. it's like first of all, I have all these prejudices about this animal based on other animals like it that I've met probably. Yeah. And also, it's like. It's not like it's your kid. Right. Like, it's an animal. Yeah. Like, I just don't like it. Like, yeah. that doesn't mean fuck you. Yeah. Like, we can get along and be friends, but exactly. just don't bring your dog. I hate your dog. Yeah, like, I hate I hate this dog. And, like, right. that's the other thing is that she'll cuddle up to me, and I'll be like, oh, so cute. Totally. And then I'm like, I hate, I, like, hate that she's so cute. And, Absolutely. like, oh, my God, it makes it so much worse. Because, like, yeah, she just is way too smart for her own good and then plays dumb. Like, she's a genius, but she's like, wait, what? I didn't know I was not supposed to chew up the carpet. And you're like. Right. And if that was a person, you'd be like, I cannot stand you yeah if it was you a person you have to get out of my life you'd call them toxic yeah and I would be like <laughs> I can't afford to have relationships like that in my life my happiness is not worth it and I wish you all the best like that's what I would do but that's I fucking like can't your friend breakup speech but with the dog yes <laughs> it's like no I can't I just have to focus on what's really important in my life and I feel like you're distracting me from that yeah it's like I just really don't like I don't want to have relationships with people who treat me that way yeah <laughs> I have to respect myself yeah i will so, not be manipulated so pack up your chew toy yeah exactly oh my god i just got done working on this show with dogs and um it's like a it's like a reality competition it's like american ninja warrior for dogs no way yeah. oh my god that's so cool so the dogs do the obstacle course i can't really say a lot about it because it's not like out yet oh, okay um but i've seen that in certain releases that phrasing so I feel like I'm okay to say that that would be cool but it is like I, I can say this about so I'm a producer in reality tv which basically means I'm a director like uh -huh. I stand next to the camera and I tell non-actors like what to do oh, in order to so get the cool. content of the show like that's what my job is yeah and in this context it's like dogs <laughs> so what like like do you, you remember we were at stuff, school and like... people were like People are like, don't put a dog in a play because people just look at the dog. Yeah, or a baby. Yeah. Dogs are babies. Yeah, there's no way to upstage a dog or a baby. Absolutely. Yeah. And then in film and television, they say don't work with kids or animals, not because you're going to get upstage necessarily. That's certainly a problem. Yeah. But you can cut around that sometimes. But it's because it's fucking hard. Yeah. Like it's really difficult to get these things that don't speak your language to do exactly what you need them to do, not yeah. kind of what you need them to do, like exactly. Yeah. And it just like, so the point being is that all these dogs that we worked with are trained dogs. Okay. That's like, good. I was going to ask if they yeah, were. Yeah, they're not yeah. just random ass like, dogs. Like mutts like, hey, from the you, alley. <laughs> yeah, best of luck. No, no, no. These are like any reality competition. This is like a show where we cast a wide net and the best of the best made it on the TV show. Okay. That's how they all work. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes some of the less good ones, but we didn't really do that. Right. Um, so all these dogs are really well-trained. Um, whether or not they're well-trained to do this is different. Because yeah. no dogs are trained to do this. Because yeah. this is not a fucking thing yet. <laughs> so that was a thing in and of itself because it's a season one show. But uh, yeah, it's remarkable to me how you can train all... like So a lot of these dogs are police dogs. Like uh -huh. That's how they're trained. Oh, and cool. under the conditions of that. And um, basically... It's remarkable to me how well they can be trained on some things and not have basic obedience. Yeah. Like, these dogs can find, like, drugs really fast. Or they can <laughs> jump things that are huge. And, like, Whoa. 
do they do attack on the bite suit stuff like you know they know how to do all that canine shit right but the guys can't get them to just like fucking sit <laughs> oh my god and be quiet while we have to do some camera stuff oh my you know what god. i mean and that's crazy to me because it's like it, it's such a reminder that the the training of anything is complex and specific yeah like you teach somebody to do exactly this thing doesn't mean they're going to be able to do another thing yeah so like your dog that you're watching now yeah is like really well trained in a way to manipulate you yeah but like that doesn't make it a good dog yeah exactly it's like (laughs) the worst kind of dog and like oh yeah I just can't and I fall in love with almost every dog I meet so this is big for me to say that I don't like a dog it's like huge I told Ethan that and he was like are you serious? He's like, but she's so cute. And I'm like, you try fucking waking up to her and like scratching you and like all this. Well, I love dogs and I just, I, but the only kind of dog I don't like are police dogs. Oh really? Oh, because of your experiences on the show? No, nothing to do with the show at all. The show kind of turned it around for me and I got to see a lot of like police dogs be chill and be like, okay, cool. But no, I, I don't like police dogs because in most situations I've been in with them, I'm on the other side. Oh yeah! Like they're coming to get me. Yeah. I'm like shit. Do you like, ever have you ever like been in line at like an airport security and you're like you're like uh, there's dogs sitting there and you're like yep. oh my god wait do I have cocaine on me like do I have heroin on me and it's like no I I've never had cocaine or heroin on me like right. why would I think but all of a sudden I'm flipping out and thinking that oh my god what if I have cocaine or heroin on me and it's like I don't know why my brain does that. So here's the thing. Uh, first of all, it's probably just because you have like a general anxiety problem. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, am I right about that? Oh, yeah. We don't oh, know yeah. each other super well, but just based on hearing that, oh, I, yeah. I would say that for sure. For sure. You're concerned about things that uh, are impossible. Yeah. So uh, it, it really just controls my life. But I will, but I will say this, uh, as someone who has uh, enjoyed marijuana for a very long time in a number of states that did not approve of it until uh-huh. I moved to California, when I moved to California... And then I started doing reality TV stuff and they were flying me all over the country to like go to these different places to shoot stuff for the show. Right. I'm going in and out of states that are cool with it and not cool with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm out here living like everything's cool. Oh, yeah. So it's like that moment that you're like, oh, my God, do I have cocaine or heroin? Oh, thank God. No, I never have. It's like. (laughs) Oh my God, do I have any weed on me? I really think I don't, <laughs> but I can't be sure. Oh like, my God. I don't know. I, it's pop, maybe just, it's on my shirt. Yeah, like the smell of I it. I mean, yeah. if the dog can smell my blood, he probably is going to get a whiff of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is thick in there. Exactly. So it is like for sure going to set something off. Yeah. I get, yeah, and I just would have like panic attacks. Yeah. Oh my like, God. Wait, can I tell a story about? Please? Okay, this is the most, like, the funniest thing ever. LA Showcase, when we sure. were seniors in college. Right. We all, it was the first showcase that we had. So we, and it was over spring break. So we were like so fucking pumped. We all were amped up. We all got mini bottles for everybody. We were like on the bus, like screaming, so excited. And everybody was like taking edibles. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were like, let's all just like pass the fuck out on the plane and like, you know, totally. chill and whatever. And so Ethan made edibles for me and him, and they were like the little Rice Krispie treats or whatever. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, I hope I made them right. Like, I made mine stronger than yours because, like, you're small, so don't worry. It's not going to be that strong. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. It's off to a great start. You can see yeah, where this yeah, is going. Yeah. So we're, like, licking the foil of these because we're mm. worried that, like, it's not going to, like, take. I, I don't think – I've you never – You must not have ever heard any story about edibles I- ever. <laughs> Yeah, I must have. I was so beautifully naive to everything. 
Um, I've never in my life, I thought I wasn't going to make it on the plane. Right. Like I thought I, and it got to the point where I, it hit me while we were like, um, eating right before the flight. Cause we got there mm. super early. And so we're like going through security and I'm like, Ooh, I'm already like kind of feeling it. This is fun. I'm like eating sushi next to everybody in the airport. And I start to think that like, I'm actually in Japan. I'm like, there's no way that this sushi is this good. And I'm like in America right now. Like right, impossible. I'm, I'm in Japan. Like, am I in, am I in Japan right now? Then like you start to try to figure out how you got there. Yes. Yeah. And then everyone's no, like, I the totally flight's understand. leaving. And I'm like, what flight? And then I'm like, oh my God, how do we board the plane, guys? Like, it just, and I, I got to the point where I was like. you get stuck in the loop of like, wait, where's the plane going if we're already in Japan? Yeah. Totally. And then I'm like, my heart starts to pound in my chest. I'm like sweating. Ethan's kind of freaking out a little bit too, because his is really strong. And like a couple other people, theirs are really strong. I almost burst into tears. I thought I was going to have to go to the emergency room. And mm-hmm. then I, we got on the plane and I passed out and I woke up in LA and I was like. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. And I was like, and I was conscious of the fact that we were going to showcase. So I was like, Beth, right. you're ruining your career right, right. now. Like, of what course. are you doing? You find a panic reason to call it all a giant mistake. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was not my finest moment, but it was, it's a good story. And it's, we constantly bring it up. Like everybody in my class, like, remember that time you like ate that edible before showcase and you thought you were in Japan? Amazing. Like, yeah, I do. Wait, so you had it before you came out here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you land in L.A., like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah, and then, like, by the time we landed in L.A., this was, like, because we had a layover. This was, like, 12 hours later right. of travel. I was finally a normal high. Yeah. Like, that's how insanely – I mean, it was, like, ridiculous. Did you hold to that? Have you not had an edible since then? I, the only ones I've had have been the little gummies that you can, like, buy here where they're, like, do- dosed out and, like, 10 yeah. milligrams. So I've yeah. never eaten another homemade edible before, but, like, I like the oh, little – Oh, yeah, like, for sure. The – yeah. Like, I'll do, um, like, the, yeah, they're, like, little watermelon gummies. They're 10 milligrams each. Oh, like totally. the perfect, like, amount for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost, that's almost called microdosing. Okay. Which is, like, a thing where you, like, a lot of times people will use, like, uh, mints. Mm-hmm. Because they're only, like, two or five milligrams. Right. And so it's, like, you just pop a mint, maybe pop another mint in an hour, maybe pop another one in two hours, and it's, like, you just get this chill thing the whole time. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, it's called microdosing. Okay. Um, and it's funny to, I, I think for sure I was responsible for buying some of the edibles that went on that plane. Oh, hell yeah. Like on the way back. For oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, totally. Like, cause I, I, I did that a few years in a row where people were like, well, because they, it's funny that they, it was kind of convenient for them because basically some of the people in the grades that were below me, um, and I want to make it clear that I, I simply, simply don't care about admitting this guilt uh, mm-hmm. in a legal way because, like, come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a significant number of people, uh, especially in the grades below me, knew me as their weed connection in North Carolina. Okay. And so then they came out for showcase, like, a couple years in a row, and it was like, oh, yeah, we could just call that same guy. Oh, my God, I love Like, he that. lives out here now, and he has a card, so he'll just, like, hit up the oh, store Oh, because at that us. time it was just medical, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, like, for a couple of years when I first moved here. Yeah. Um, well, they legalized right after I moved here, but then it, like, the rec didn't kick in for a year. Yeah. It was like, um, we need a year to write how it's going to happen. Yeah. They only approved that it was going to happen. It was kind of like, you know what it was a lot like was fucking Brexit. Yeah. It was like we did a big referendum across the state of like, look, finally, we're going to make one big vote. Everybody gets a vote and we're just going to call it. And the majority, and it was like 60 something percent. Like it was a great majority, 63% or something like that. And it was like, all right, cool. Legalized. Awesome. 
what the fuck does that mean? Like, we need to probably sit down and write out, well, how? Yeah, some and rules, it, maybe? Yeah, and they took, like, a year. Kind of wow. like the Brexit thing. It was like, all right, we're leaving the EU. Right. Later, once we figure out how, but we're definitely doing it. Right. It's such an ass-backwards way to govern people. Yeah. Like, just make a decision about how it's going to work and then figure out how it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. It's like, crazy. maybe we should switch that around. Um... So this is appropriate. About 15 minutes in, I'll ask my first question. Okay, cool. Uh, which is my only question, which is where are you from? Where am I from? I'm from, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. Greensboro, the triad. Yeah. Born and raised? Born and raised, yeah. And then sweet baby suburbs of Greensboro, the safest place on the planet. And then uh, you did high school and college at NCSA? Yeah. So six years, five years? Five, five years, years, yeah. And... Uh, so, I, I've met a few of you. A few of us. I have. I've met a few <laughs> of our of breed. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I consider Dave Brown in that same group because yes. he's not from Greensboro, but he's from Winston. So yep. even more like, oh my God, the same place for like twenty-two years in a row. Yeah. Do you? Obviously, it doesn't stunt anybody's anything because like some of the coolest people I know like grew up in the same place. But it's like, I think it is such a dramatically different experience from basically anything different and like living in two places is still t so different from yeah. living in like the were you like born and brought home from the hospital to the house that you yeah. graduated college from yeah basically? like literally well we and moved houses there? but yeah i mean okay, it was sure. like yeah it was like the women's hospital of greensboro i was wow. born and then they drove 10 minutes home and yeah i grew up there is the whole family established there or do you have some hub somewhere else where it's like yeah so uh it's actually really cool because my both my parents are from the deep south like deep deep south so my mom grew up in birmingham alabama and my dad grew up in memphis tennessee and so all my family's in Alabama. And my mom's family, like, um, yeah, because my mom's mom or my mom's sister lives in Alabama now. And so both my mom's parents are dead. So we mm -hmm. really only have family in Alabama and Tennessee, my dad's family. So, um, but, like, I love that they moved to North Carolina because it was just kind of a nice middle ground. Was it for work or some in. shit? Yeah, I think it was for work. Um, my dad, they lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a few years because mm. my dad was working for like a company there. The and then, Paris of Oklahoma. Oh, <laughs> exactly. And my mom like was miserable and she always is like Tulsa. Like she just has such a vendetta against it. Right. Um, Hold on. Alexa's trying to tell me something. Alexa, stop talking while I'm doing an interview. Yeah, okay? shut the fuck up. All right, cool. She's a, man, she hears that every time. That's hilarious. I'm ruthless to her. Yeah. I think that's a thing, by the way, small side note, all of our aggression, if you have like a group that you hate, which yeah. hopefully you don't, uh -huh. but like if anybody does <laughs> who's listening is like, ah, I think this is the reason for all our problems. Just find a way in your brain to rewire it to robots. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's the, I think that's the greatest. We just For sure. That's the outlet for the hate. Yeah. Just put Siri, it all on the AI. And yeah. See, yeah. You can talk to them like just absolute garbage because yeah, no. they're not people. Yeah. My Siri, she takes a beating. I mean, the Absolutely. sweet woman. <laughs> she is a strong ass woman and she I, takes it. I changed mine to um, a man. Oh, that's cool. Not, Ciro? That's yeah. what we call him. Ciro. Okay, I like yeah. that. And it wasn't because of, like, some sort of superiority thing. It was purely because, like, no woman deserves to be spoken to the way that I talk <laughs> to my phone. I love like, that so much. Absolutely not. I was like, I cannot yell at this woman anymore. Actually, that'll be a great thing for me. <laughs> I should change mine to a man, too, because it's, like, men, you know, in general. Like, for sure. Yeah, that And would you can feel... just express it. And he just takes it, like... That's good. A champion. I respect that. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah. So what does your dad do in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Um, so he was working for IBM. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's then... kind of boring, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, totally or... boring. So okay. stupid. My dad, like, went to college... Um, for I don't even know what he got his degree in but he started in biochemistry and he was like this is boring and then he got his degree in like I think it wasn't even business I, I don't even know he went to middle Tennessee like where there were cows that got in the way of him like going to class like that right, 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 right. so then he started um selling life insurance and he has his own like uh firm now like selling life insurance which is pretty cool. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so he kind of they moved to North Carolina because they want to have kids and they hated Oklahoma and he started this business and um, my mom was a speech pathologist, mm -hmm. which is hilarious because her accent is out of control. And I'm like, you were seriously telling people how to speak, you of all people. And she's like, what? They said I didn't have an accent. <laughs> and I was like, how do you do that? You're from, you're from Alabama and you don't have an accent. I'm like, that's amazing. Oh my God. I love that so much. So like good. I can only imagine the kids coming out like with a full Southern like bell drawl. Sad. It cut out for no reason. I'm gonna have to do some silly little ass transition here now and put in more music and like, uh, it's just like an editing nightmare. But we miss our whole little chat we were having about the North Carolinian accent. Yeah. Your mom stopped pathologizing when yep. she got pregnant, became stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, oh, I was asking you like, what, 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 what on earth happened to you to turn you into an artist? Like. Why? So, why? Yeah. Why? I, literally, I ask myself that question every day. Why? Because um, no. are you past the like part of your youth where you're like, it's the coolest thing to be, and into the part of your adulthood where you're like, this is unnecessarily difficult? I'm kind of, you know what's <laughs> funny is that I was in the, this is unnecessarily difficult, like, right when I graduated college. And then, because, sure. you know, that shock of like moving to New York and being like, oh my God, oh fuck, what have I done? Yeah. Now I'm back into the like, this is the best thing ever. And like, even if I have to like eat breadcrumbs, I still want to like do it. I'm, I'm like going back, which I think is really good. It's like really nice to be in that space again. But, um, I, I was just talking to David, uh, oh, Gow, yeah. and he said almost the exact same thing. Really? I love yeah. that man. I know that He's, you do. We are like, you guys have a similar energy. We are like soul brother, sister. Like he, mm. he, and what's funny is that we never really got, we were really close in college, but we've gotten so much closer right. after college. And, like, I just, I love him with my whole heart. And then, like, we're always doing, like, saying inappropriate jokes to each other. But, like, the second we get sentimental, we're like, ugh, disgusting. Yeah. yeah. We're like, he's, he, we were saying goodbye when he was visiting. And I was like, I just really, like, had so much fun this weekend. And, like, you just mean a lot to me. And he's like, yeah, you too. I just, yeah. And we were like, okay, get the fuck out of here. Like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Like, as a child, I was always, like, putting on performances and everything, like mm -hmm. we all did. And um, I remember there's this one story that my mom told me that my sister was in this summer camp when I was kind of a toddler or a baby. I think it was, like, a baby. And she um, was putting on the performance. My mom had her in the stroll, had me in the stroller. And, like, the entire time during the performance, I was just, like, like, babbling and looking at the show. And then the second the performance stopped, I stopped. Mm. And it was like this thing where I just, I feel like I had to like be a part of it in a way. Right. And then, yeah. And then I saw a production of the Wizard of Oz, which my community theater does every year. 
and I was in it six times. Oh my god! Six times in a row. Why do people fucking do that? Well, I don't know because it, well, it because it becomes a thing. It becomes like any other TV show that they should fucking cancel, right? Yes. They're like, oh, it keeps working. Yeah, everyone keeps everyone coming keeps out. Everyone keeps coming every year. Yeah, exactly. We had the same thing. We did um, the worst Christmas pageant ever. Oh you yeah, know what I mean, yeah, that or best slash whatever yeah. the fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Like every year, and it'd be like, this year I'm playing. It's like. The Nutcracker. Yeah, at exactly. At School of the Arts. Every like, year. It's the same kind of thing. There's just yeah. other stuff you could do. Exactly. And they, they, but they don't want to risk the, the cash cow. That's it's, what it's it is. It's a huge cash cow because they already had the sets built, all the costumes. They right. just had to just bring it out of storage yeah. every year and then they just make a shit ton of money. Um, so crazy. Yeah, but then it became kind of like, um, it was also like a social thing. Everyone was like, are you doing Wizard this year? Like, are you doing Wizard this year? Like, what do you want? Do you want Munchkin Mayor? Like, what do you want? Like, are you going to be like Jitterbug Dancer? Like, all of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> and like, so I started as a oh. Munchkin because I saw, my mom took me to a show and I was like, okay, wait, all those kids on stage they're fucking my age and younger mm-hmm. like I want to do that like that's ridiculous um so I auditioned and I didn't get in because I had broken my arm like the night before and my mom was like are you still going to the audition and I was like yeah fuck yeah I'm going like nine <laughs> and I cried through the whole thing because I was in so much pain because mm-hmm. my and I was like everyone's looking at me and then I auditioned she, my mom was like I, I'm sorry you didn't get in I was like it's okay and she was like well you know you can do something else and I was like no I'm gonna audition next year and she's like oh okay cool so I auditioned the next year and I got in which is cool and then I climbed the ranks so I started as like little munchkin and then like little featured munchkin and then you go to like once you hit a certain age you get to be like a nauseam and then you get to be like if you're a good dancer you get to be a jitterbug dancer if you're a good singer you can be like in the women's chorus and all this stuff and then I finally was Dorothy my last year and I was like you can't get any higher than that and I quit doing it. You just gotta get out of here I'm gonna turn into one of the witches. Yeah it was like but that was like my like that was like my um what do you call it like my social life like that was everything right. for me because I I didn't really get along with anybody at school like public school or anything because people were just different like what does that mean like and this is something I've thought about for a long time like I don't think I really knew how to be a friend or how to like mm. communicate with people in a way until like probably end of high school what does that mean like what yeah what, what were the mistakes that you made like, I was super sensitive. I took everything personally. Like, you were super dramatic. If you didn't like something, you'd let everybody know. Yeah. And I think I was really just an anxious child. And I let that, like, rule my relationships. And I just constantly felt like I didn't fit in. And I think that was, like, a self-sabotaging kind of thing. Like, it just kind of, like, made it worse. What made you feel like you didn't feel it, fit in? Like, what, what, what were all these arguments really about? Because, um... Like, I went to public middle school, sure. which is the toughest time, um, and everybody was doing sports and, like, mm, like hanging out after school, and, like, you know, there's, like, the popular group and all this stuff, and I just felt like I was most at home at the theater and at rehearsal, and it was, like, the majority of my day was taken up with these people that I didn't connect with, and, like, I was just so sensitive, like, everything, I was, like, so, I would get offended so easily, I was, like, really embarrassed of myself because I had, like, back then in 2006, it was, like, straight, stick straight hair, tan, kind of, that was what was cool, and I was, I'm the complete opposite of that. I had, like, giant frizzy hair I didn't know what to do with. I was pale as a ghost, and I, like, felt so outside of everybody else. Um, But this is an interesting thing, Beth. This is what I think is uh, not unique to you. I think we all do this. And I certainly had times when I did it. But the people that you're describing, the like, these tan popular girls in particular, 
were what percentage of your high school Oh, my God. Group. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But to you, that was everybody. Yeah. That was like, all the girls look like this. All the guys look like this. This is their activities. This is how they talk. Yep. This is what they are interested in. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. I'm so alone. When It's like, but what were they? Like 30% of the population? Yeah, exactly. 40, maybe? Yeah. But it's like, most people aren't cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, That's exactly. what we forget is it's like, it's almost like, this is so weird to make the comparison but it kind of feels like the political argument right like it's basically the rich convince us that everyone's rich but us Mm -hmm. when really most people are poor or middle class yeah we're actually the majority and they kind of trick us into like fighting with each other yeah which is so foolish and making us feel like uh i just wish i was more like this group of people that's everybody when it's like that's like nobody right Totally. And those people are probably not happy. Yeah. And that's what it's really interesting now to look back on all of that. And also, I think a part of that was I found a lot of value in being unique and different. Like, that's what I loved most about myself and still do is like being different. And so I kind of embraced that like to the nth degree there. And I was like, well, I'm so different. I'm so, you know, I do theater. Nobody else here does theater and everything. So I didn't really like allow any of those friendships to flourish because I ruled them out of my head and that's something that especially what does being, that mean like you didn't allow them to you ruled them out in your head like you're friends with your other theater friends like, like you didn't have a community in that group no my the community that I loved and that I was nurturing was the one in theater right and the ones that I wasn't were the ones at school and I what made you feel like that wasn't enough because I had immediately said to myself the theater people understand me everybody else doesn't right and so yeah because yeah, but like, why do you think that's not enough for us? Because, like, you have some people who understand you. That's awesome. Yeah, That's, like, I not a thing great. most people have at all. But oh, you have a sure. group, but it's not, like, the group you it's thought not, you'd have yeah, or you expected. Or, like, or, or the one I'm spending the most time with. And, like, You were spending most of your time with like, them, At school. Sure, with like, in that, classes. Yeah. Right. And, um, so, yeah. Um, but also being at School of the Arts where you're, like, stuck with a bunch of people and you can't escape any of them, mm-hmm. it... M- so it like really helped me realize that you don't like don't rule anybody out like mm-hmm. at all because you never know like there's people and especially also like in stupid day jobs that I have like postgrad and all kinds of stuff like I'm friends with people that I would never ever be friends with now and it's been like so enlightening and yeah it's just been kind of like a journey I think that's that's kind of been like a little delayed for me in terms of like opening my mind and my heart and being like vulnerable with people that I normally wouldn't be vulnerable with. And that was another part of all that is that I was so closed off. I was so not connected to my emotions at all because I think I felt everything so deeply and like every, my, both my siblings all growing up was Beth, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. Like constantly, like they would say one thing and I would start to cry and be like, Beth, stop crying. And so I shut everything, all that down. And I didn't want anybody to be let into that at all. Did you like not cry for a long time? Yeah. I like wouldn't, or I would just like, I, I would not cry and then I would, it would boil over and I couldn't, and I would have to like call my mom at middle, in middle school and she would have to come get me because right. I couldn't, and she was like, Why, what's wrong? And I would like, wouldn't tell her. I would just keep crying. And, um, I think that being at school, of the arts, when like all the teachers are like, let's look into that. Like, let's open that up. Like, what do we got in here? Um, and being accepted by everybody in the class after being, after crying and still being loved by everybody was like the biggest, biggest lesson for me. And like the most 
the highest level of acceptance right. in my head. And it doesn't really matter whether or not after you leave that room where everybody hugs you, <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you end up being an actor. In yeah. that moment, in that day, it's like you don't even really care about that. Yeah. Like you're just like, you know what? I mean, we'll d probably, yeah, and we'll keep doing it. But that's why you have so many people third year who are like, maybe I don't want to do this. Yeah. Because you're going through so many things that are filling the void that caused you to get into this shit in the first place. Yeah. Which was, I don't know if everybody likes me. I want to get everybody's attention and show them I'm good enough. All these things. And then all of a sudden you burst into tears about how, like, no one thinks you're good enough. And the whole room is like, you're amazing. Yeah. And we love you. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit. Maybe at the very least now I'm acting for different reasons. Yeah, Because exactly. I'm not trying so desperately to fill that. And I say all the time, trying really hard not to pat anybody or anything on the back too hard. I just wish that were part of, like, our public education. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Oh like, God. I wish growing up we had some structure that had nothing to do with fucking acting necessarily. Maybe yeah. it does, maybe it doesn't. But something like, why do we all have to take like advanced chemistry, but no one's required to take anything that makes us like, like each other and, and like ourselves and yeah, get or along. Like, and... Or like um, conflict resolution or like Yeah, you only have like to that. do that when you're in trouble and those yeah. people aren't even listening anyway because they're still pissed about being in trouble yeah. and they feel like it's a punishment. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to like a thing that everyone should just kind of think about. Yeah, so yeah, I just, I, yeah, it was crazy. Maybe one of the reasons why middle school just those words. You just say those words oh, to some God. people. And yeah, exactly. What it's you like just a did. visceral reaction. Yeah. And you know what's crazy, Beth? I fucking love middle school. You did? I love middle school. Oh, okay. I didn't say I loved. Okay, that good, because I thought I... I did not experience it um, in full, joyful embrace by any means. Right. However, there were parts of middle school that were like some of the best parts of my whole fucking life. Whoa. For sure. There were some of them that were the worst times that mm -hmm. I can remember from my childhood. All of that was happening in middle school. Middle school to me was more like NCSA than high school was because I went to three high schools. Wow. I moved a lot and, and, and the dynamic changed many times yeah. and there wasn't a lot of growth. It was just like a lot of adaptation. Yeah. But I went to the same middle school for three years and I actually went to several elementary schools that all fed into the same middle school. So I moved a lot during elementary school, met a lot of different kids, and then I would leave and go to meet new kids. Uh -huh. Then I went to this middle school where all those elementary schools joined up. And I was like, oh, my God, the guy from second grade oh, and cool. the guy in fifth grade, yeah. we're all at the same school together. That's crazy. Yeah. So for those three years where it was like an actual closest thing I ever had to what you experienced for a really long time, which was being surrounded by the same community, yeah. which happened to me very few times. But yeah. This is one of them. It was exhilarating because it was, we're starting to get adult like things. Like the fact that we, I remember the day we got lockers. Oh, huge. Oh my God. Huge. Like, I, I remember that more than the day I got my driver's license on <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I got a fucking locker. This is my locker. Yeah. I can put whatever I want in here. No one knows the combination yeah. but me and the whatever that lady in the office. But, like, I know it yep. and no one else. And, like, you know, if you had to tell someone to go get something out of your locker, you're like, all right, here's a combination. Fucking don't yeah. write it down or whatever. Like, And they gave you planners. And oh you're my like, God, oh, my God, we're all adults. That stuff. It was like, we're growing up. This is so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's all I wanted when I was a kid. Yeah. It was just to be an adult and get treated like an adult. So anytime that stuff started showing up of like, hey, you get to pick some of your classes now. It was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's 
nuts. That, like, that's so like, exciting. Yeah, totally. And then uh, sixth grade was really, really hard for me for a lot of reasons. But, like, you know, I got my first, like, girlfriend in seventh grade. And, like, eighth grade felt like I was a senior in high school. Just, like, I'm yeah. running this place. Everyone likes me. Yeah. If they don't, they go fuck themselves. Like, the teachers mostly like me, which oh was my, God, my whole they, thing. I did not have that confidence. It I was, did not. Uh, I never had it again. Really? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. Oh my God. Um, a little bit, maybe like, maybe my senior year of NCSA. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been there for a really long time at that point. I'd been there for like five years already, similar wow. to your uh, situation. Um, man, even longer. It's hard to remember exactly how that math works out. But I, um, yeah, the thing that I love about middle school, though, is it's it's where we mess everybody up. Yes. Oh my, I say that all the time. Like I, no matter what, like I'm never homeschooling my kids. They're going straight to public middle school because it made me who I am. Yeah. It messes you up and it, and it makes you who you are. And it a hundred percent is our best opportunity to like fix generations of people and yeah. culture. And it's like, that's where you get them. Yeah. Like we can't do a lot in you know, the, uh, other than providing like universal pre-K and stuff like that, which we should do, but like yeah. other than that stuff and making sure, you know, uh, maternity leave, all that kind of stuff happens. Other than that, we can't do much to affect culturally what happens to like babies. Yeah. That's up to mothers yeah. and fathers to like figure that out and do that in their own homes. And we're not ever going to have a hand in that. Right. It's when they enter the public system that we all vote on and like school boards decide on what we should do as a society and all of elementary school is just like trying to cram the vocabulary into their heads so that we can start actually teaching them shit in right. middle school. That's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. So middle school is our like chance to be like, all right, now you all know fucking how to read <laughs> and like what math is. Yeah. Now we're going to start teaching you stuff. And I think we just blow it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just blow it so bad. We yeah. have such a great opportunity where for the most part, a lot of elementary school learning, in my opinion, is effective and in a good shape. Yeah. Like, if there's anyone out there who's teaching and the education is, like, going good, I think it's elementary school. A yeah. lot of it. Discipline stuff, I think we need to rework. But a lot of the curriculum, other than the fact that there's a little bit too much standardized tests, is, like, great. Yeah. But middle school is a mess. Oh, my God. Because when I was teaching in High Point, it was, like, Give me the fifth and sixth graders. Yeah. Those are the kids I want to teach the most. Everyone else is like dreading it. I'm like, yeah. no, that's your chance to turn them into good students. Yeah. It's like when they most are like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I'm open to hearing suggestions. They're and the like, most vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the fact that we blow it so bad is why everyone hates middle school. Yes. Because they look back and they're like, oh man, that was just a nightmare. Yeah. And it was because they just threw you the keys with no driver's ed and you just they took threw you off the keys your life. And a pamphlet about abstinence and they send you on your way. And you're like, um, what? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you're from the South. Oh yeah. It was abstinence based sex education. All the way through high school? Um, I actually only got it in middle school once. And they didn't do at, sex ed in high school. No, I actually I went to a um, an arts magnet high school, gotcha. which was huge for me. And no they time just, for sex ed. We got to teach you to sing. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> we got to lay down on the floor and breathe. And <laughs> yeah, it's I was probably more helpful than the education you would have gotten in public school for sure. Yeah, it was great. I would that was huge for me. That was like the the next step to feeling like I 
I fit in a lot. Like that right. was really amazing. But it was also like you had to audition to get in, but it wasn't. It was just people around Greensboro, so it wasn't like anything prestigious. Sorry, Keith Taylor. No, it don't wasn't. beat yourself up. Um, I, all the times I say like I went to a performing arts high school in New York City, and people are like, "Wow, yeah, Julia, like uh, <laughs> Ju- fucking not Julia uh, Laguardia." Uh, Laguardia. And yeah. I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, <laughs> wow, did you go to PPAS, like the Fame School?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> Wait, so where the fuck did you go? Like, I went to a school with a very non-pretentious name called Talent Unlimited. Oh, yes, you did. And, uh, what a name, I don't know too. if you saw The Sopranos, but the sun went there. So, <laughs> pretty good. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it just, like, steps itself down. Yeah, people, same. people give that kind of shit too much credit. Even if you it, did go yeah. to Juilliard, fuck you. Yeah, and it like, was, for sure. And it was, like, a, yeah, my, and the program was really loosey-goosey. Like, we had, like... One acting, like we had a hour and a half classes, which I loved and right. swapped every other day. And so every day we would have an hour and a half of acting, which consisted of 30 minutes of breathing on the floor, mm-hmm. which none of us understood. I don't think you also like at that age have the capacity to understand what that is. Well, maybe if you of... had to teach a 90 minute acting class, you immediately yeah. <laughs> imagine why someone would include 30 minutes of nothing. Nothing. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. And he would be like on his laptop, like in the back of the theater while we're sitting there like, shh. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And then, yeah, he called it constructive rest. Yes. Constructive rest. He's a genius. Yeah, it's genius. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, he is. Wish I thought of that. He'd be like up in the booth, too, like doing his own thing. He's like, constructive rest, guys, for 30 minutes. And then we would like play improv games. And like, I like to think that he got hired for like a 60 minute class. And then they came to him. They're like, it's actually going to be a 90 minute class. He's like, (laughs) like, I've got 60 minutes. Yeah. Like, I'm uh, not about to expand on this. Well, I'll tell you what the fuck they're going to do for the first half hour then. <laughs> they're going to tell breathe. you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's um, laying on the ground. Yeah, exactly. So that was that. But we also put on some really good productions. Like, I you don't know, doubt when, it. when you know when you're like in a show at school or like you're in a show in community theater and you're like, um, I think this show is like kind of unbelievable. Like, we are killing it right now. Like, you're, you're like, we're fucking, we're like Broadway level right now. Like, everybody is so talented. Everyone's so amazing. The set's amazing. And then like, I would love, I wish I could dig up videos of those productions so I could watch it back because I thought we were like the elite, like we were slaying in these productions. And I was was wearing like the best one. We did a production of Sweeney Todd where I played Joanna. Nice. And I, they tried to get me to dye my hair blonde. And I was like, um, that's a great joke. I'm not doing that for a high school production. So I like bought my own wig from like some Halloween store that Mm -hmm. looked horrible and we built, like, we would build the sets, like, during, when it was a production happening, we would, like, spend, we'd do constructive rest for 30 minutes, and then the next hour, we would build the set. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and so we built, like, a whole thing with, like, a trap door for the, like, you know, barbershop or whatever, and, like, the costumes were, like, kind of awesome, and I remember being, like, this is, like, this is, like, Broadway level. <laughs> like, and I thought it was phenomenal, but also nobody could remember the words to more pies now or whatever so that's another (laughs) i encountered some weird stuff like that too like we did um my last high school that i the one i graduated from had like a out of this world football team Mm -hmm. and uh so i don't know how it happened but in my head this the version of the story that i made up is at some point they made a shitload of money from football Mm -hmm. and the theater department came to them and was like give us the money to make a badass (laughs) show and people will come oh my god and so without the talent and i say that to all my friends with love 
we put on the biggest fucking shows ever. Oh my god. We hired a magician. <laughs> For what? Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god. For the illusion at the end that swaps out yep. the thing. That was the first NDA I ever signed. No way. I had to sign a fucking what, NDA. at the ripe age of 15 or whatever? No, oh my I was god. probably like 17. Oh my god. So I was god. like a senior. That's crazy. Um, we had to sign an NDA that we wouldn't explain how they did it because he had this whole gag where uh, basically uh, Beast would get like levitated into the air and then the lights would kind of flicker and when they go away, all his Beast shit was gone and he's human in like a second. Oh and it God. was pretty impressive, oh honestly. Oh my God. Um, even if I explained it to you now and like broke the NDA, you'd be like, oh, that's why you fucking signed that because it's the most boring sounding thing in the world. Yeah, it always is. But it looks dope. Stuff. That's it, it so did. Crazy. It looked super dope. And the thing was is that this guy was going from fucking school to school selling this gag. Oh my god, what a genius! Making a shitload of money because we did it like the year it became available. Oh my so god. So he was just going boom, boom, boom. Any school that was doing it, it was like, hey, do you want the fucking illusion hookup? Because <laughs> and Beth, it was thousands oh of god. dollars. That's that's genius. We didn't pay this, this guy like seventy bucks. We like. They had to uh, uh, build a rig. A rig, yeah, totally. And, and we had to, like, that was part of it, too. It's like, yeah. he was like, you have to buy the rig, too. He's like, I'm not paying for the rig. Oh, I love it. this man. He would build it, and he would sell the illusion and the rig to us, and then we're stuck with the fucking rig we're never going to use That's again. That's incredible. It was amazing. Wow. And he would just make a fabricate a new one every time. And he it's was, like, I, he must have made so much goddamn money. Oh, for sure. So that was just one aspect of that show. And we bought the most ridiculous costumes there were. Oh and I God. saw a lot of stuff for Beauty and the Beast that year when everyone was trying to do it. Yeah, we have to be, people have to be like forks and dinner plates and stuff. Like, Well, and there's just the simple like the wardrobe who oh, shows yeah. up at the end. What an elaborate costume yeah. for a fucking... <laughs> High school production. Yeah, she, well, she's in the show for like three songs. Yeah, yeah. And she's one of the most ornate things that yeah. you have to, this is not, you know, Mrs. Potts, which is like constantly in it. Like I was Cogsworth. Right. You got to have a Cogsworth that looks like a reasonable looking clock or it's dumb. Yeah. We had a wardrobe that was like, God damn, you look like a piece of furniture. Oh, I love that so much. It was much. amazing, but they would make it back every year because it was incredible. like the fucking nutcracker. That reminds me this of, This year um, we're doing Oklahoma. This yeah. year we're doing this. That's insane. It that was like the all school musical. Of, um, when I did, when we did Drowsy Chaperone, my senior year of college, there was a, I was Janet and there was one costume. So every, all the costumes for me were built from scratch because it was like their projects That's or whatever, what was, which is yeah. like incredible. And there was one, the song Show Off where I changed costumes. I had six costume changes through that one song. Crazy. And one of them was for the encore, which I came on, I sang probably six notes and then I left the stage and um, I didn't reveal the dress until the last note. And this poor girl worked. I went in for so many fittings for this dress. And she was so like, okay, well, the fabric's falling this way. And like, this sparkle is off. And like, all this. And like, they made sure it fit me perfectly. And I revealed it for five seconds. And then I ran off stage. And I was like, I saw this girl in the audience during our dress run. And the director was like, okay, maybe you should wait a little bit longer to take off the, to do the reveal. And I'm like, okay. And she... Her heart, I could just see her heart sinking. Like, she had worked her little tail off on this amazing dress, and it was shown for five and a half seconds. That is one of my favorite things about school. Yeah. Is 
so many things that will happen to you on a grander scale in your career happen in this little vacuum. Yeah. And like, oh my God, what a great lesson. Yeah. It's the best. That's the best lesson she could have. I I hope it's the best lesson that she got the whole time she was there. Yeah. And knows it because maybe she learned other shit, but like the, the idea that you have to wrap your brain around truly diligent, painstaking work that sees the light of day for two seconds, mm-hmm. maybe none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What What could you learn better than that? Because that's going to happen to you for the rest of your career. Yeah. To m- the most serious degrees. Like, what's that one actress? I can't remember her name. I think Ashley something. She was in Avengers, the first one. It had this whole scene with Captain America. Okay. And it's you can go watch it on, like, the deleted scenes. It's fairly lengthy. She got cut <gasps> out of the movie. Oh, like there's a scene heart. where they like throw Captain America into the diner. Oh my god. And then he just springs out and she kind of goes, "Uh?" like looks up. <gasps> and that's up. all she that's got. That's it. Oh my god. And, I mean, she shot this scene with Chris Evans and like it was substantially long and all this stuff fully cut out of the movie. Oh my god. And you know, like just imagine for a second if you Beth Hawks got a fucking job <laughs> in like Endgame. Yeah. And you went and you're like, I fucking did a scene like, with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. What the fuck is my life? And then you're like, I can't tell anybody. Oh my God, it's Marvel. Yeah. If I'm keeping it on the lock. And then finally it comes out and Ethan's like, all right, now you didn't tell me shit this whole time. Yeah. We're going to go see Endgame. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> and God. you don't even know because you're not quite that level that you're going to go to the premiere. Right, right, right. But you definitely are going to midnight opening night to see you in the movie. And For then sure. you're just like, Ugh. Like that, look that's up into all the sky. you get. I would. That is my worst would you nightmare. Leave? I think. Yeah, would I would. You leave. like walk out of the movie. I would burst into tears and, and leave. I I think that is my that's my biggest fear, and I know it's going to happen to me at some point in my career. Is that I'm going to get cut and I'm going to be devastated. And I actually thought that I got cut on my first job that I did, the only job that I've done since graduation. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'm so fucking proud of this web series. Thank you. Did you see it? No, oh no. Okay, it. it's okay. Nobody has. It's fine. Um, but um, I. We, so I was like, episode five, everyone's like, it's episode five, it's like on the script, it was episode 105, like, that was my episode, and I planned this whole party in New York when it came out, for the day it came out, and everybody was coming over, and I was like, I got, like, uh, cheese and meats and wine, and we were gonna have, like, cocktails and play games and then watch the show and, like, do a premiere night, because I was so proud of myself that I had, like, gotten something, Um, and the episode comes out because it's released like week by week and I go on and I'm like, ah, because I'm at my day job and I'm like, oh my God. And it's not my episode. And I thought that it was like a different title and I was like, oh my God, did this episode get completely cut? Did they they just just scrap it? it? Yeah, they just scrap it and like shoot another one and they just added on another episode and put it right before my episode. And thankfully it came out the next week, but I was like terrified. And I like called David in a panic and I was like, everyone's coming over and like, it's not my episode. I like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, it's okay. It's okay. We're gonna have a great time. And so I got really bitter and I was like, welcome to the apartment. This is my, I'm not on TV party. So let's celebrate. And I was like, and then it got us thinking we should have parties, celebratory parties when everybody gets really close to a role and they don't get it because that's the time when you really want to see, yeah, when you need people, you need to have a good time, forget about it, get a little drunk. Like that's when you need it like, I don't need the pat on the back when I actually got in the fucking movie. No, I needed somebody when I didn't get that Broadway show that one time I was really close on. Like, I thought right. my life was going to change, and I was, like, devastated for weeks. I and, love like, that. That's a great idea. What yeah. would you call those parties? It would be, like, 
I don't know. Like, I the, I didn't get cast. I don't know. <laughs> they went another direction party. <laughs> another direction parties. Yeah. I love that. But it should be a thing. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's like, it's not set up to take care of you. Yeah. You have to, and I remember when we would hear the people like, alumni come back and do like the talk backs or you yeah. know, stuff like that people would say like make sure you are investing time in creating a supportive environment outside of your art so that when things don't go the way that you think they will you're not left alone and without like and without the ability to deal with it yeah. because you don't have a support system yeah and I don't want to discredit that I think that's good advice mm-hmm. but it's also like we don't – it's like we build the net and then we throw the net in the closet. Like we don't suspend it and keep – and make sure that it's there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we get so focused on what we're doing yeah. that it's like, oh, no, I have friends. And then all of a sudden like you have a thing that you really need people at and nobody comes to it. And it's not that they don't care about you. It's just that the the world is full and you maybe haven't maintained those friendships as much as you think you have. Yeah. And so it's like creating that community, it, it doesn't just stay there. Yeah. Like it it, it, it takes uh, it takes some work. Yeah. yeah. And I think it bums us out that there's only so many hours in the day and we can't put 24 hours of work into both things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. It's also different being like when you do graduate, you have to like make money and have a job and like do other things and you're not constantly around all of these people. So it's like you have to prioritize and it really kind of makes you wonder like who, like it makes you, it's interesting how it's revealed who's like your people and who like maybe aren't. Oh, it's the most important thing. Yeah. That's the thing that I love. Uh, and you know, I worked through school and I, you know, when I started like the class of 2010, I graduated in 2013. The class of 2010 was my first class. Yeah. That was like, I landed, my best friend was in that class. Another guy who was in that class was in my house as my roommate. Another roommate was in that class, not in drama, but in music, but still same graduating year. Yeah. They were my age. I spent a whole year like chilling with that group of people. Then they left. Then I had to join my own class that had already spent a freshman year together. Yeah. So they have this like, yeah. Absolutely. So I was outsider. Fine. Mm -hmm. Then later I graduated and came back for a little while. So all the people that, you know, so many of the people that I knew were gone and there was Mm -hmm. all these new people. And there's, I don't know. I got to get tested by all that shit early. Yeah. Like I kind of got lucky in that, like it wasn't just my 28 people from start to finish. And those are like the straight, like I had like two and a half different classes of people that I was really close with. Yeah. But none of them ever really looked at me as like, you are 100% part of this group. Right, right. Like, no, you're the new guy. Yeah. No, you're the guy who's not really in the drama school. No, you're the guy who's like that girl's boyfriend. Right. You know, it's so you like. you constantly had to work on your relationship. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And I'm still shitty at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still absolutely garbage. Oh, for it's sure. Best. I give people so much shit about not texting me back. Me I'm, too. I'm the worst about it. I'm but pretty bad about it too. But anyone who's listening to me right now, there's enough people also hearing me and going, dude, you give people shit about that? Are you kidding? Yeah. 
Like, you're not great about that all yeah. the time. Like, my parents are like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? You don't like it when people don't text you back, yeah. son? I get, like, so, yeah, I get so mad when you're <laughs> not really like, shut up. Um, I love you. Shut up. Um, yeah, I get so mad at people when they flake on me. Right. And I'll do the same thing, too, sometimes. I'll yeah, be like, Although, sure. I, I really try not to do it, especially here, because everyone's a fucking flake here. Like, I've oh, just for found, sure. Like, every you think LA is worse than New York in the flakiness? Yeah, I think so. Do you think that's about the people that you know here, or do you think it's like a cultural vibe about the city? I think it's a cultural vibe. It's like people are like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something else, or I found something else to do, or I've decided to go on a hike, or like, you know, I actually got this thing, and I'm and like... And that didn't happen to you in New York? I mean, if it did, people were like, I'm so sorry, like, this is what's happening, and like, we'll totally meet, are you free tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, no problem, or like, I'm feeling super sick, like all this, you know, I just felt like it was a different motive do you think different... if you like rounded up all of the best people in new york that you like the best and moved them to la that they would behave that way or would they adapt to la and become like flaky people oh my god i really hope that they would still be as awesome as they are oh we both hope that beth what do you, th <laughs> what do you think one would can happen? hope as many as much as they want right no they would probably adapt. i mean like because i found myself falling into it too where i'm gonna really want to do that today and then i'm like oh my god you have to just honor your commitments like that is it what... because you're more comfortable in your house yeah, it's, like, definitely a lot more of a comfort comfort thing. Like, in New York, you're always out and about. And, like, you're, like, I wouldn't go home all day when I was in New York. So it was, like, right. so easy for me to meet up with somebody after work or, like, after an audition or whatever. But, like, here it's different because I want to go home. I want to drive home and eat dinner. And then I'm, like, I don't want to leave my house. And then I'm, like, ugh, well, I have work at 5, so I can't really have brunch. It like, kind of <laughs> feels like the benefit of living in New York is, like, living on a bed of nails. You're, yeah. like, you're like, well... It's uncomfortable, but it keeps me from laying in yeah, bed all day. Exactly. Which I it's made out of nails. Yeah, exactly. No, there's a lot that I... So I'll just stay out. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll go to the park after work, just because it's kind of on the way. That's yeah. a thing that, like, I don't know anyone in L.A. who does that, who's like, no. hey, I'm heading from work to home. Let's stop at this thing. Yes, I constantly, in New York, I was Not finding reasons to... Or I'm in the neighborhood, so I might as well go to this store. I haven't been there in so long. Or, like, I'll pick up this book from this store. What I don't know. Like, all kinds of stuff. It was so easy for me to, like... Or if I had to make a trip down to, like the West Village for some reason I would find other things to do in there because I was in the neighborhood mm -hmm. like in LA I wouldn't do that I'd go to West Hollywood to meet my friend for coffee I'd go right back home like mm -hmm. I'm not gonna hang out in West Hollywood and like walk around like I just won't so what the hell are you doing here Beth oh good question um it's what we do here I know um so I um signed with a manager out of LA Showcase from okay. school so which was what year remind me I graduated in 2016 right 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 yeah and um so we had LA showcase first mm -hmm. and so I got a pretty good response and I was like <laughs> well let's see what happens in New York because I am just so awesome clearly that's a similar voice that you used when you were in the middle school department. Yes, earlier. exactly. This part of my, it's my like alter ego, my, the like little demon part of myself that comes out and is like, I'm amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was all excited because I wanted to move to New York. It's like where I wanted to go because I had spent a summer there before our senior year and I loved it. Um, and so I didn't get a good response in New York at all. And this manager that I'd met with here was like... Was that tough? Yeah, it Were was. you like spent a lot of your life thinking that's where I'm going to go and be yeah. and yeah. it's going to just have open arms for me. And yeah. It didn't. And in the, in, in my head, I was like, Oh my God, everyone's going to love me and I'm going to be like meeting after meeting, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it didn't happen, which is fine. Um, you, no, I think it's it, for Beth, the best. It's fine. Like, was it fine that day? That day it wasn't, but right. 
the manager I ended up signing with has mm-hmm. been everything. Like Oh, I don't doubt that it worked out the way that it needed oh, to. Oh, yeah, but in the I'm moment I'm just saying like was there was awful. nothing fine about that experience. Yeah, yeah like, no, not at all. It was unpleasant. Yeah, it right. was. And so um this manager kept up with me and he was like, "I know you want to move to New York, but like I'm really interested in working with you." And our meeting had gone like super well, and I was like, "This is crazy. I can't believe that." I never would have thought that I would be signing with someone in LA because I felt like such a theater person, such a like New York person. And so I was like, okay, like let's do this because I want to be with somebody that wants to be with me. And because it's like a relationship, like I want, right. like, I don't want to work with you if you don't, if you're not excited about me. And what and do you he think was. makes someone feel that way one way or the other, having lived in neither city? Is it just theater versus film and TV? Like, is that yeah, the thing that and you were thinking? Yeah. Also. The school really sets you up for an, an East Coast transition. Oh, big time. So that, it felt the safest to me. Yeah. And it felt like everybody was going up there. I would have a group already. All the, these casting directors had gotten to know us. All these agents and managers. So if anything had fallen, would fall through, I'd have these people that I could contact and like get set up meetings or whatever. So, LA is a risk. Yeah, it was a huge risk. And it was so unfamiliar. Like, so foreign. I'd never, the only time I'd been was like when I was in the eighth grade on a family vacation for like four days and that was it I didn't know anything about it right um and I didn't know many people out there anyway like it just seemed like why would you go to like LA when you can go to New York like if you want to do film and TV there's there's film and TV in New York it's funny that you put it that way because I think that makes a lot of sense and yeah. uh and that's not how I feel now obviously no for yeah. sure for sure um but I think it's interesting that you say that because the first thing that you said was I felt like more of a New York person yeah which to me it sounds like it wasn't a part of your identity one way or the other. It's just the thing that felt safe and smart. Yeah. Right? I also really loved the appeal of going to uh, a city that would kind of beat the shit out of me and, like, make me tough because I was such a sensitive child and I've constantly – I have this, like, thing where I love to just, like, put myself in really uncomfortable situations that are, like, really out of my comfort zone because I want to be, like, this – I want to be resilient and I don't want to have, I don't want to be at the mercy of my own life. You're worried that you're not tough. Yeah. And I wanted to be tough and to be able to like take on anything. And I felt like New York would really like, would whip me into shape. And Do you I, think you felt, was it like an insecurity about being from only one place? You're like, I, I haven't seen enough of the world. Like yeah. if I go somewhere, if I go to Italy, I'm going to get robbed because yeah. I'm the kind of person <laughs> that just doesn't think about that kind of shit. That's exactly what it was. For sure. Yeah. So I, I wanted to really like get, I wanted to get my ass kicked, and that was where... You went to the right was, place. I did, definitely. That was definitely. a well-informed uh, decision. Oh, did yeah. it work out? Um, I got my ass kicked, for sure. What and, happened? Well, um... Other than them not giving you attention after showcase. Oh, um... So that's one way to start. Yeah, so, um... I had this job right when I moved mm-hmm. um, that was, like, a connection through one of the faculty members at school. Oh, word up. Yeah, and... Do you uh, want to give them credit, or do you want to keep it a secret because of some they reason? They know who they are. Okay. Um, so this woman um had this son and um he was like six and uh she needed a babysitter and uh, like a personal assistant and she's right. like a theater producer and i was like i'm down like let's do it because i really needed a job and i didn't really want to work in a restaurant yet i wasn't like comfortable or confident in any of that i just wanted to like i wanted to like babysit basically so um she ended up being a narcissist okay. and um like verbally and emotionally abusive Oui. 
which is fantastic. Um, it's really not. Yeah, it's not <laughs> at all. Um, but the thing is, is that the kid and I ended up forming this awesome bond because he was just the sweetest. Like, I right. loved him. I loved him so much. Um, and I worked for her for three months, and she manipulated me into working, like, 80-hour weeks. And I was, like, had to sit down and be like, listen, I love working for you. I love – I didn't really know she was being emotionally or manipulative or abusive or any of that until after – You've given um, a lot of benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because I want to, like, be kind to myself. And so, yeah, and, and also her, I wanted to, I loved I loved her, I loved the kid, and she was, like, you know, she made it seem like she was this great person. So and You still have the respect for the person who referred you in the first place, yeah. so that's an element as well. Exactly. Right. So I sat down with her, and I was, like, in the most respectful way possible, I was, like, I love working for you, I, um, I need to cut back my hours, and maybe we can add on another sitter. Like, I know a lot of great girls from my class that would be down, like, all this stuff. She ends up, like, screaming at me like I've never been spoken to in my entire life. Like, like you have ripped my family apart. Like, you can Whoa. get the fuck out of my apartment. Like, I mean, and I was shocked because it was like, it was like a, she, a flip hit switch. She was like another person entirely. So it traumatized me and it went on for like a week because I had to kill, still keep working for her because I had hours planned and she was like, you're coming back tomorrow and like all this stuff. So it was like this horrible situation. It's really tough when you have not yet registered how unwell someone is and mm -hmm. then you suffer the brunt of it yeah because your brain in the moment doesn't allow you to go they're unwell let's let this not hit us like it's yeah. personal because they're clearly emotionally un unstable and unwell yeah so it's like but you don't know that because yeah. in your head you're like this is my fault yeah exactly and I also looked up to her as a mentor like she really she presented herself that way to me and I believed it really and I was multiple like multiple sides to who she is yeah and um so that got dragged on for like a week and I was so traumatized that I went back down to North Carolina and like was with my family for a while I think I had to get my lawyer involved in it Oy. because she was like trying to make me sign an NDA and she was withholding my pay until I signed this uh, thing and I like, so I had to have a lawyer I'll negotiate. See your NDA, I will raise you an RO. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was I. I was like I could go to small claims if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Like it's not worth the emotional turmoil, oh and so I just ended up walking. And she still owes me like six hundred bucks, but uh, that's okay. Um, and Ethan was like worried I wouldn't come back to the city. He was like, "Are you gonna come back?" And I'm like, "Yes, I will. I will. I just need to like relax for a second. And like I couldn't eat anything, and I had to start like medication and like all. I mean, it like fucked me up. And I I remember like laughing after all that happened. I'm like, I wanted to get my ass kicked. Wow. I asked for this. Like sure did. I really, and it, it like really taught me a huge lesson about boundaries and about like, like 40 lessons. Oh my God. All in one. And so now like whenever I would babysit or do anything or whenever I do anything for anybody, I always like say like, this is what I need. This is what my requirements are. And like, these things are the ones that are not negotiable. And these are the things that are right. And, um, so yeah, so that was a huge lesson for me. And you get to feel so much more justified in demanding that you're treated with the value that you have. Like, yeah. that's one of the things I think is really hard. It's like, we have this balance between wanting to appease others and wanting to have our own value. Yeah. And it's like, that comes, just butts its head so much harder when you have a personal relationship with people who are employing you. Yeah. And I know that what, I've been in situations where my friends that I was friends with before, after, and during this whole scenario, but they hired me to help them with something that was their own endeavor, like their company or something. And then we have an agreement on how much money they're going to pay me to do whatever job, and then it develops, and they're like, now I need you to do this, and now I need you to do this, and oh, and by the way, you're also going to be doing this. And yeah. it's like, 
you didn't just purchase me like a like a piece of machinery that's yeah. now going to accomplish whatever you have for it. I'm not a computer right. that you can enter tasks into and just as much, we'll see how far we can press the RAM until it explodes. Yeah. No, I'm a human being. We make a deal. I will do this for this money. If what you need changes, this should too. Yeah, exactly. It's not, that's not, that's so simple economics. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't function on a society where we don't pay people for what they fucking do and then ask them to do more shit for free. Yeah. And that's fine when it's IHOP. Yeah. And you can be like, bye. Yeah, you can peace out. Yeah, and then go back to work there three months later. Like, yeah. I did. Like, whatever. It's it's so different when it's a person involved that you have a personal relationship with, mm -hmm. that you have an emotional relationship with, and oh my God, it's so much harder when there are children involved. Oh, that was the worst part. I yeah. remember, like, that was what killed me is that I had to say goodbye to him, and he, she wouldn't even let me explain to him what happened. And, and leave like, him in that environment. Yeah, and it really just didn't give him any closure at all, and I'm like, he's the one that needs the, the closure here. Like, neither of us, it doesn't matter. We can deal with it. Like, this kid is, like, so vulnerable, and, like, we've created this bond, and now I'm just not going to be in his life anymore, and you're going to tell him that I'm a horrible person? Like, what is that... And sadly, you are going to be, you know, like such a, a blip on the radar of things that that kid's going to have to deal with. Exactly. Unfortunately. Yeah. So anyway. you moved past that. So I moved past it. I, you know, I was working at other places and I got back on my feet, which is awesome. And everything was, was good. Um, and my manager... What did you start doing for work instead? I worked as a receptionist at a nice. cur curly hair salon. Okay. Yeah, so it was really good. Although it was um it was great because it was like the savior I needed as far as like to prove to myself that I could have like a normal day job. Totally. Um and it was also like I mean we were dealing with people's like okay, for example, working in a restaurant, it's one thing when somebody has a bad meal, right? It's another thing when somebody has a bad haircut. Sure. And these women I used to fix people's cars. Really? Yeah, they're not very sensitive about it. I'm sure. <laughs> um and yeah, these women would, I mean, like the things I, they would like scream at you and you oh, you just yeah. get the brunt of everything. And like the stylist wouldn't like hold themselves accountable, like all kinds of stuff. So that was a great job, but it was also really hard in more ways than I think I realized at the time. Um, and it's what they're paying you to do in a way. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like the stylists have hair to cut. Yeah. Okay. If people are upset, your customer service. Yeah, exactly. Your so, job is to absorb that. Yeah. And that's a tough job for whatever twelve bucks an hour. Or whatever oh the my fuck god! You were it was a, yeah, it was bad, but it was a great. I made a lot of good friends, and it was like a good. It was a good like making up for everything that had happened in the past. Like it was what I needed. While still getting your ass kicked. Exactly. So I still got my ass kicked, and um, yeah. So then um, I decided to come out for pilot season to L.A. Okay. Um, because uh, my manager was like, "You can live in New York. I love that you're in New York, and I was doing pretty well." Um, and getting like some good callbacks and everything, but he was like, you should just like come out here and just test it because like, there's no reason why like you couldn't like he, the more and more I was like auditioning, the more I was like, I'm having the most success in terms of callbacks and feedback and the most fun with TV and film. And a lot of the TV and film I was going out for in New York was like dark, like, you know, like rape victim kind of stuff, which is like, you know, great. But I'm also, I love comedy and that's what I was kind of figuring out. Funny. Thank you. You are. Um, and I was like, I, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I kind of figured out after a while. And so I You want to be funny on TV. Yeah. I want to be funny. I want to be fucking Ellie Kemper. I like would 
I want to be her so badly. And I found out that... That's an excellent trajectory. Oh my God, I would die. Um, And so she... So I came out to LA uh, for pilot season. I was staying on a couch because Ethan and I were sharing a one bedroom in New York and it was like... Tell me about pilot season really quick because... I feel like we talk about it all the time and no one knows what the fuck that really means. Right. Like, what what does pilot season mean and when does it take place? Well, so it's different now than it used to be, like, 10 years ago, okay. which is crazy. So, like, the normal, like, the regular definition of it would be, like, when all the pilots have been written and pitched to the studios and they're, like, going to produce them and cast them and then, like, you know see if it's going to get picked up for a season. So and it's they like do all that the at new... the same time of the year because all the shows are going to get picked up for the fall. For the fall, right? yeah, That's exactly. So they about. can like film it. it, and then if they need to be picked up for a season, then they'll have time to film it and edit it for the fall. For sure. So all of that happens at the same time. It's not the same way anymore because of the streaming platforms. Like there's Netflix and Hulu, Amazon, everything. Now it's like all off kilter. So yeah, it shoots it's like happening. 24 hours a day. Yeah, so it's like I, I'll get pilots in like September and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So, and it's also now more for the like 1% of actors. So a lot of it is like pitching the pilots to celebrities to see if they want to like be a part of it. It's not as much for, more for the like quote unquote working class actor. Um, so, but it's also an amazing time to be in LA because no matter what you're going out for it, like there's a lot being produced and a lot being like So what's cast. the original pilot season window? January through the end of March. First three months of, of the year. Yeah. And now it's like still kind of that, but like an amorphous version that bleeds under into other parts of the year. Yeah. Kind of randomly. Exactly. Got it. Um, so you so... decide to come from New York out here last year? Yeah, last year. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and my manager was awesome, and he was uh, he sold he sold LA to me very well. Um, he sent me on a lot of generals, and I I booked my first job ever within two weeks of being here, and I was like, this feels good. It's a strong sell. Yeah, and I was like, I can't I couldn't believe that I had just like booked because after two and a half years of literally like nothing, 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 and getting so close and not getting it and all this stuff, I felt like this was kind of like a last resort in a way, like even though it's not and it's like life is long and careers are long, but it was like, I won't, you know, it was what I wanted. And so I, I booked this job and I was like, Oh my God, like I got a yes, I got a yes. And like, I was getting great feedback from my auditions and from my meetings. And I just felt like kind of at home. And I also loved the fact that all the studios are here and you could be like doing one thing one day and the next day be on set filming a, a sitcom. Like that was really so cool to me. And of course the weather, was like everything the lifestyle is so much easier here I just I totally like fell in love and um within like two months I was like I'm gonna move like I I'm gonna move and I like uh this is May of last year yeah and I went I went back to New York at the beginning of May um and I knowing that I was gonna move back and I had told like everybody that I was moving like a month prior um yeah and I, I'm, like, I also was not, like, I'm moving here for the rest of my life. Like, everything sure. is, everything's temporary. And I was, like, you know, like, this is just the nature of a career in this business is, like, moving right. around and being in different places and, like, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. And I did it. I, I moved. <laughs> and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel? It's been, like, a year. It's been, um, actually, I moved in, six months ago. Oh, you officially came in in uh, January. January. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, I feel so great. So how's six months? It's really good. It's yeah. really. I'm like I've never been. I haven't been this happy in a long time. That's like, awesome. Yeah, and it's it made me realize like, 
not just artistically but like lifestyle wise like I I wasn't like working out or exercising at all in New York because like I don't want to get on the subway for 20 minutes to go to the gym in the you. middle of winter every time I've lived in New York City is the heaviest I've ever been yeah and every I was like single time yeah I wasn't working out I was like the, it's the best food in the world which is great but it's like I was eating whatever I wanted and it's $20 a meal yeah oh my god kill I was just listening to your episode with Jasmine about like all the New York stuff and I was like screaming like yes that's exactly what it is I was just gonna say is. it really reminds me of that story yeah. um but it, it's great that sandwiched in between your episodes will be david who's like i love la yeah. i've done la big time <laughs> fucking malibu yep. i know what it's like i choose new york yeah and it's like all right different strokes different folks yeah but, i know uh, I, we... I always voice my opinion on it i mean I've, I've been really clear uh about how i feel i basically my people are like well what would it take to get you to go back someone asked me that and oh, i was that's a like good question yeah right broadway no. No, that's my answer. <laughs> um, well, I'm not, and I'm not an actor. If someone yeah. offered me to direct a Broadway play, I think that would be very foolish of them. <laughs> it would. Um, I think I'd do a good job, but they don't know that. Yeah. Like, I've done nothing to prove to anyone that I'd be good at that. Right. Um, I'd be like, I don't know if you saw How I Learned to Drive in the R.J. Reynolds viewing <laughs> room in 2013. Which was, oh, no, awesome play, too, by the way. One that I haven't forgotten. Sure, so. thank you. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I've done four shows probably since that one and yeah. they were all in the years following um so no 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 it would be uh, it would be money yeah um I'd, I'd, i would have to like the job yeah i would have to love the job but i like the job uh and enjoy doing it for like a hundred grand a year yeah like less than that to live in new york I'm oh not my interested God. in it. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I was, Does I'm, it sound fun for me? It yeah. sounds fucking not fun. It's like, I like my life to be fun as shit. Yeah, I, I've always said that, too. I want to live in New York when I can afford to have the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. And that I feel like I, I can... I can barely afford to live here. Oh, my God, yeah. But I have this big-ass apartment that I, like, have more than enough for... You haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, I you haven't. You just came <laughs> in the front and saw the studio, which I is know. in the front end of the apartment. Okay. You will say the word wow when you walk around the corner. Oh, my God, it's, I love it. It's unnecessarily big. Yeah. I and just have shit stored in this place. Place. Yeah, like it's I awesome. have, um, uh, like Ethan and my first apartment in New York, we didn't have laundry in the building. It was two and a half blocks away. So going in the snow oh, yeah. in the dead of winter after Christmas when there aren't any pretty lights around anymore right. to switch your laundry. And the snow is really just slush. It's slush, like black slush. It's just like there's nothing. And then we lived in a fourth floor walk up. So carrying Trader Joe's groceries, like now I can just go to Trader Joe's and I Get this, I put the groceries in the back of my car. Right, right, right. And you and drive, I drive home. home. Yeah. And then I take them out of the back of my car. Yeah. It's the best. It's like you, you only you only have to carry them with your arms from the store to the car, from the car to the house. It's it's that, everything. I remember yeah. being on the subway crammed into people with Trader Joe's groceries yep. between my legs. Yep. Like and I just it takes it takes a lot to be able to to do that and I just I don't think I'm there yet in my life. Why are those people not the flaky ones? I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm impressed. I, I was I'm impressed. I was when I lived in New York. I was not the like, we're well, always out of the house. No, I was I went to work and I came straight fucking home <laughs> because everything about being outside the house was frustrating to me that I was like, you know what? I know I live in a closet, but I'm just going to sit in my little closet and I'm going to make my closet as nice as I can and really enjoy the space that I have here because I need a refuge yeah. from this fucking city. Exactly. Um, 
but you, uh, your fella is not here. He's not. He he's in New York. Why is he? Why is he in this refuge? Um. So, <laughs> um, Ethan and I. I should preface for people who don't know. We sure. we've been together for uh in November. Since it'll you be, were like twelve or thirteen or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, um, in November it'll be eight years. Wow. Yeah. So we met when we were eight. I was eighteen. He was seventeen in the high school program, and we like totally fell in love. And, um, we just haven't broken up. No, <laughs> but, uh, he's, uh, transitioned out of acting, mm. um, when we graduated and into directing, which is kind of the path he was going in school. Sure. And they were like, you should do the directing track. Like, that's what you should do. And he was kind of like. Directing program was a fucking mess while he was there. That's why he decided. He's like, yeah. I don't want to be a guinea pig. I want to just yeah. finish this out. Yeah, and fuck like, that. Yeah. I mean, he's still just like the best decision he made was. I didn't talk anybody it. into it. Yeah. And I spent so much time talking people into that program while I was there yeah while I was in it and all that kind of stuff but then it changed and yeah I was like I'm not telling anybody to do this anymore until they get it fixed yeah totally totally so um so he was always directing stuff so he decided to do directing producing which is like surprisingly like he's so good good at it and I I hate sounding so surprised by that but it's true because in like acting and he'll, he'll say this too it really made him anxious and like self-conscious and um he when he was directing, I would like see this other person and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like it's, he would be like things that would frustrate him. Like if people were getting distracted or something, those things would set him off if he was in like an actor in the room as a director. He's like, um, can we actually, can we bring focus back here guys? That would really mean a lot. Thank you. And I'm like, whoa, like you're actually kind of awesome. Um, at this, like he, it's where he like thrives. Um, so he loves theater. Um, and there's not, a lot that he's just beginning his directing journey like professionally and it's taken him like he's done internship after internship and assistant directing and all kinds of stuff all that so. shit I was like nope yeah <laughs> no 100% I yeah. was like when I was graduating with a degree in directing theater from a pretty good school everyone was like these are the next steps for you yeah. and they don't pay for the next few years I'm like oh I'm sorry I just borrowed a shitload of money that yeah. I still owe to learn how to do it. Yeah. So the idea that I, now that I'm out of school, I have to spend more time getting into debt. What? I don't have this money yeah. that I'm supposed to live on. Exactly. To do this directing program. That's like, Hey, we get a stipend of like $300 a week. And yeah. I'm like, you can shove that up your ass. Yeah. Cause that's useless. That <laughs> exactly. is a useless amount of money. Exactly. So, so God bless him. Yeah. He hustled. And, um, so he's directing, a sh or, and producing a show right now with David. Uh, in New York, and they've been planning it for, like, the last year, um, nice. which has been awesome. Um, and he's really, like, climbed his way up, and he it would be, like, so unfair of me to be, like, move to L.A. with me just for me and not right. for you. And, and we've said, like, we have our whole lives to be together if that's what we want to do. And so, like, at this point in our young careers, like, we should take the time to put our heads down and hustle and stay together and like also we've said this too like in a way we kind of wish that we hadn't met each other so young because now we're like locked in and it's a lot and it's like not easy and um but because we did we like have to allow each other to do these kinds of things and like live other places and have experiences and like grow individually because mm -hmm. it's so easy especially in New York when you're in a tiny 250 square foot apartment to like become one person for kinda. sure so and I've never liked that I've co constantly been like I have to be independent like I've constantly valued my independence and sure 
he's been super supportive of that, which has been awesome. So we're just taking this, this time to kind of like put our heads down and make some strides and it sucks because I, I miss him. I mean, we miss each other. Every yeah. Day, and it's, it's like nearly like, impossible, but it's happening. Yeah. That's, so. in, that's, those are the best things. Yeah. And, uh, so I'll say this, um, I may have some experience with long distance relationships, uh, I may have too much experience with long distance <laughs> relationships and um, I personally don't don't do them anymore mm-hmm. uh, just because it's kind of like college like there are things that you do in life because they have a return on them yeah and it's an investment and it's not always pleasant when you're making the investment but it pays off that's why you fucking do it like not you, not everything can be fun and awesome all the time sometimes things need to be kind of not awesome so they can be super awesome later that's like basic human yeah. shit yeah but there's certain things that I'm no longer willing to sacrifice because I've gone through a certain point in my life when I'm like, I don't want to make that deal anymore. I get the deal. Yeah. Like go learn something, make no money Mm -hmm. and you'll get great (laughs) at it. And then you'll be out and done and awesome at this thing, but you won't have any money and you'll have to start your life basically over. It's like, okay, I did that two times. So I'm good on that. <laughs> I'm not going to any more programs or master no, yeah. degree. I don't, none of it. No, I'm done not making money while other people teach me shit. Yeah. I will continue to learn and grow my brain while people pay me to do stuff. Because yeah. I'm capable of getting paid to do stuff. So I should be able to do both of those things. That's right. where I'm at. I feel the same way about relationships currently. Yeah. Which is just like, there's no one in my world. And even if I think about the ones that have been in the past that I would do that again for, because it's like, I, I don't see the payoff in that way anymore. But I will say this. Um, when you have a really strong foundation and you have some sort of fucking plan, it becomes increasingly more possible. Yeah. And I think a lot of people foolishly enter into difficult scenarios like that with neither of those two things. Yeah. A big thing that was popular when I was growing up was like high school girls I went to school with like would be like right after high school graduation like I'm marrying this soldier. Oh my god! Yeah, who's going oh, off to yeah. the military. I know like six of those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and I'm like, wait, I've known you for years. Who's this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You started dating, and he goes to what school or how you met him or like yeah. what the fuck? And then it's like... And they have a dog together, too. Yeah, they have yeah. a dog. And then after he comes back after basic, and then a few <laughs> months later, they have a baby. Yeah. And then they have, like, a family, and that's fine. But yeah. it's very weird to me. Yeah. The idea that you would start off a relationship fairly early in the process. Bye. I'm going to just, like, you go do your thing, and I'll do my thing here. But we're married. Like, yeah. Yeah. super, super weird. Yeah. And it's, like, isn't the whole part of being together, like, being, being together? together? Yeah. Which... Is a little hypocritical of me, but like, but it's not because yeah. you guys have been together. Yeah, we have. I mean, we spent like <laughs> <laughs> we spent the first seven years of our relationship right. together. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And like, I don't think my parents were married that long. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, like I think I think they were married about that. I mean, they knew, knew knew each other much longer. But yeah, that's like the full course of a relationship for plenty of people, and they don't look back on it as some sort of mistake. It was like, yeah, we were together like seven years. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, Becca and I were together for, like, f- almost five years. That's, and it and yeah. there were issues, but I look back on it like it was great. Yeah. Like, we spent most of that time enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And um, you have to have that, I think, 
yeah. to make it work. Yeah. Um, but I will pitch this to Ethan if by chance he's listening. And if you're not, fuck you, dude. Yeah, Come Ethan, on. listen to my fucking like, episode. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, skip all the other ones, but listen to this. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you've gotten this far, an hour and 26 minutes in. Oh, my God, wow. Um, listen to this, sir. <laughs> uh, LA is pretty dope, dude. It is. It is pretty dope. And uh, I'm not... I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but I will say uh, I am not upset with the amount of money I make producing reality TV. <laughs> and I'm also not upset at my job. Yeah. I love my job. My main job on like Dancing with the Stars is to go and film a celebrity and a professional ballroom dancer do a ballroom dancing lesson mm-hmm. for like five hours. Oh my God. And it's really good money to do something that's fucking fun. Yeah, totally. Like, like Terrell Owens is not the most easy person to work with. Like, uh-huh. T.O. is famously difficult to work with. And when he was on our reality show, it was not any different. Uh-huh. But watching him and his partner, like, argue because he's difficult, and I just get to stand over here and hold the camera oh and, God. like, just be there for that. Like, I've I've gotten to do so many weird ass things that I never would have guessed. Yeah. That diving into this side of it when I thought I was gonna be what Ethan's trying really hard to do. Um and I and I have not discounted myself from doing that. Right. Yeah. Like there is still a world where I either here or somewhere else move somewhere and like, you know, begin producing and directing theater again. Cause I fucking love theater and yeah. I'm never gonna stop liking it. Oh yeah. It's just so hard to make money doing it. Mm-hmm. And the main city that you go to do it in, I don't like. Yeah. So I do something different with the same uh, enthusiasm and same interests. Like, yeah. And the cool thing is I don't have to work super hard to put on a show, which I've done this many times uh, in my life, work my ass off to put on a show that like 75 people come to that I begged begged to please come to this show yeah. <laughs> with a million Instagram posts yeah. and Facebook requests and all this shit. Yeah. And I finally got like 75 people to come to it. Yeah. Like 10 million people watch my show every week. Yeah. And I know that they don't all know that I had anything to do with it. Almost all of them don't. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm participating in something that everybody likes that they're enjoying. And yeah. if you don't like my show, you probably don't watch it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we have 10 million people. We don't need you. We're good. Like, so I guess my my, my whole point is uh, something I've said to a lot of people, and I think about it a lot lately, which is I think it's so important to allow yourself to evolve in what you want. And I think we work really hard against that. Yeah. And I think as great as it is and the center of this whole show and everything school of the arts programs you in the opposite direction yeah because it tells you no 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 you're special at this and if you ever give up on this thing that you're special on so that's the only failure yeah and all failure is fine that's the whole attitude of conservatory art school like come here and fail and get better at the fucking violin though yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah, exactly because if you quit violin after spending 22 years on it that's that's the failure. And it's yeah. like, that's not a fucking failure. Yeah. You play the fuck out of the violin. That's just a cool part about you now. Yeah. Like, you could do whatever you want. You yeah. You go be a hedge fund manager that plays the fuck <gasps> out of the violin. Yeah. Like, and I think that 
that's been so important for me. And if I could teach or help anybody else like do that, be like, as something comes along that seems kind of interesting, but you're hesitant about it, just fucking try it. Yeah, for Because sure. it might become like your new favorite thing. I had never seen an episode of Dancing with the Stars <laughs> ever. You could not have convinced me to watch it. Yeah. And now it's like my favorite TV show because it pays my rent and all the people on it are my friends. Oh my God, wait. I my roommate is a PA was a PA on that. Oh really? And her and her friend. Yeah, maybe you know them. Maybe. Okay, her name's Amy Boa. Sounds familiar. She's got like dark hair. That sounds super familiar. Okay, yeah. cool. And then Krista Irvin. That one I don't know. Okay. Well they were PAs on it. That's nice. That's so crazy. Well, it's really split into two uh groups on that show. We have the live team and the training team. So it's oh, like okay. I think she's live. Rehe- yeah. yeah. Well that has that department has a lot of PAs. We yeah. have like three. Okay. Um, but our team is basically at the rehearsal studio. So okay. we're with we're in rehearsals all week. And then our day off is show day. Oh cool. Because they get to they have to go actually do the show. Yeah. They're like, we're oh, good. Nice. We filmed you training. Thank God. Um done. I also did paid audience work when I was here too, which that was um for that dancing? A, yeah. Did you have fun? Not not for dancing actually. No, it was for um what was that other one? So um, you think? So you think you could dance? Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. one. Yeah. For sure. I worked on that too. That was good. And then yeah, I did it for the Steve Harvey show and uh Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, which was uh-huh. probably my favorite out of all of them because was that it was still like, Foxworthy? Uh no. Or was it the new John Cena one? John Cena. Yeah, for Nickelodeon yeah. or whatever they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And That's it was cool. like that was the most fun because it was like trivia based. Mm-hmm. So I could so just So you're kind of playing along. In yeah, the I mean, well, I always yeah. eat an edible before I go and do it. <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's no way to get through it without doing that. And you just go and you like show up and you uh-huh. sign your name and then you, they give you cash at the end for and going. And you have the energy of a paid audience member. Like oh, you have I that put, baked into who you are. I oh thank you. I I put like probably two percent of my energy into that into that job like I but yeah and I just sit there and pretend to clap and then I like I won't even react and then they pay you it's fucking amazing especially the only reason I do it is if I'm really strapped for cash at the end of the month Uh and um I live right by Universal so it's like a lot of gigs there and if it's right there yeah and if it's right there and I'm not doing anything like there's no reason for me not to go no I think that's a great uh suggestion I tell people all the time I'm like if you want to I, I mean, the money's a little bit better to, like, go serve. Yeah, which but, is what I do, too. But it's yeah. less, it's so much less intense, and it's so much more chill, like, to just go and have to clap and pretend to like something for a little while. It's way less time. Yeah. Um, have you done any, like, background stuff? No. Like, central casting? I, I ha- can't bring myself to do it. I Why? feel like, I don't know, I feel like it would just make me feel... Like I am going, taking step backwards in my like, cause I, what if I'm a background on something that I auditioned for, for like the lead of, and I didn't book and now I'm background. Like, I don't know. Maybe because it's like an ego thing. now you're still getting paid to be on the show. <sighs> I think it's an ego thing and I will fully admit. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, I totally understand what you're talking about. Um, and I, I, I only challenge you not because I think I'm superior in that area. I probably would do the same thing. I probably would have the same attitude. Um, like basically I have the same exact attitude because I don't PA anymore. Right. And so if someone was like, Hey, come PA on this. I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. But at the same time, I think that's foolish of both of us. Yeah. I think we both like, especially if the, uh, work fell into our laps in a way that we really didn't have to work to get the work. Yeah. And, um, which is kind of how central casting is. Like, yeah. you literally just, like, call a phone number and they're like, yeah, we'll book you. And you're like, cool. Don't you have to show up, though? 
Like, what I feel mean? like you have to show up to Central Casting at, like, 6 a.m. Once. Or something. Once. Oh, okay. So, like, the initial sign-up okay. is, like, a once-a-week thing. So, like, right. you have to get there early enough to be ahead in the line. Yeah. Basically. But you do that once, and you're registered forever. Okay. Um, yeah. No, it's not um, as much of a serious suggestion as I'm just curious how people feel about it. Um, but... Yeah, it's a way to get on set and not be at a restaurant. Yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah. Um, I do love my restaurant gig, though. I know that's, Why? like, super weird. For what reason? I do. It's it's the people I work with are the best. They're the best people everywhere. Every, I know. But, like, they are, like, amazing. <laughs> like, they're, they're, like, everybody's an actor or in the business, so everybody gets it. Have you ever seen Party Down? No. You've got to watch that show. There was that. Somebody did a scene for a showcase, my showcase from Party Down. Did they? Mm-hmm. I probably caught it because it's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. You should watch it. There's only 20 episodes of it. It was on Stars. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, the cast is star studded. It's like Adam so Scott cool. and Jane Lynch and Ugh. all. It's so good. But it's literally just 20 episodes and they're half hours. So you blow through Ugh, it. I love shows like but that. It's, all their caterers in LA and they're all like one of them's a stand-up one of them's an actor one of them's uh has been actor oh my God. Right? you know used to be on all the shows back in the day right one of them takes catering really seriously uh, yeah. like it's yeah all the tropes that you've experienced as a yeah. server in the business it's like yeah on the nose yeah. and it's in LA so like everywhere they're at you're like yeah I fucking know those people there right um yeah yeah I don't know I just I love this restaurant it's like so cool and it's a somewhere I would actually go and hang out and, like, dine. And the people are really great. And, like, uh, the managers, it's good management, which mm-hmm. is the hu- the biggest thing. I mean, I've heard you don't quit jobs, you quit management. That's a good like, point. Pretty much. So yeah. they're, they're, like, take care of everybody really well. And I like, I think it's different. It's a nice change for me from the salon because you get a little emotionally invested in the women that would come in to get haircuts because they're, like, making this yeah. big life change and all this whatever. But with serving, it's such a relief to just be like, hi, how you doing? Like, and that's it. And I, you don't have to get to know me. I don't have to get to know you. We're all just going to do our shit. I'm right. going to give you your chicken parm, and you're going to tip me 20%, hopefully. And we'll all go about our day. And right. if you don't tip me 20%, the next table probably will. And it's like, it's just, I haven't burnt out on it yet, and I'm kind of like riding the wave right now. And how I'm long like, has it been? Six months. You got you started there right when you got started? Right when I got, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you in a year or so and see how you yeah, feel. Yeah, we'll talk. Hopefully, you're like, I still go back and eat there because I, think uh, I, would. I don't um, you know, need to work there anymore, but I eat there and see my friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and they actually, the jazz club that's upstairs, um, they just, uh, Feinst- Michael Feinstein just became a partner. So it's like Feinstein's at Vitello's, mm. like Feinstein's 54 Below. It's like his West Coast location. God, it sounds fancy. It's it fancy. I mean, I have to city. wear, I have to wear a tie oh, when goodness. I work, which actually it's kind of a relief because I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. I just throw on the uniform and go. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool because like kind of has that Broadway feel, like kind of the New York feel still, which is cool. Do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. It's like nice to feel like, I feel like this is what I love about, I love that you talk to normal people, like normal, Mm. like I feel like the school or any school will only highlight the successful quote unquote people or the people that are like booking or this and that when it's great and that's what they should be doing because that's going to get more people to come to the school or whatever. But it's like leaves us, the rest of us kind of feeling like we're in the dust and like not supported and like, yep. 
I think it's really cool to feel like it just feels good to feel like you kind of matter more, you, you do. know? Thank you. Absolutely. And I, I love that. And it's just, it really, it's, I think it's like. Your story and Elizabeth Lale's story are not more or less important. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's, yeah. And that's a, the, what I'm working on now within myself. And it's. Sure. It's really been. That's way easier said than done. Yeah. But it's been like so huge for me to, to recognize all of the things that I'm jealous of or the things that I want or that all that stuff and 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 not not beat myself up about it right and yeah so I think it's really cool that you're like doing this and I love it so much well thank you I appreciate that yeah um I want to make it clear that it's not like I don't try to get those high profile people on the show oh right yeah uh they just don't want to do it Beth <laughs> what they the just, fuck? That's, that's just what it is no 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 um I no, I've reached out to some people. I actually uh, I'm kind of working with the drama school right now to to book some people that I'm not in contact with in any way. Yeah. Um, that I would love to have on the show. Most of whom I've actually met. Like I oh, want to cool. talk to Missy Pyle and Chris Parnell, and they, these yeah. are people I've had personal conversations with when they've visited school. Yeah. So it's not like totally out of the realm. There's also like I still want to talk to like Anthony Mackey. Yeah. I want to talk to, but I man, I want to talk to the old school people too. Is one of the things I'm so excited sure. about. Like, do you know who Judge Reinhold is? No. Okay, that is a great. I'm so glad that you said that. Okay. <laughs> for two reasons. The first one is he's an alum of the school. If you saw a picture of him or saw him in a number of the things he's famous for, you'd probably recognize him. Yeah. He was a huge deal for a while. Like every like everyone knew who he was. Whoa. And now what year were you born? Ninety three. Someone born in nineteen ninety three, and I don't think it's just Beth Hawks at uh -huh. all. I think it's totally on the nose that you don't know who Judge Reinhold is. Huh. But this dude, he was in Beverly Hills Cop, he was in all the Santa Claus movies. Whoa. Uh he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is I maybe the biggest no uh, oh, thing that he first kicked off with. Um yeah, if you saw him you know who he was. Yeah. I've been like in love with him since I was a little kid because <laughs> he was in Beverly Hills Cop and the Santa Claus, which are two of my favorite movies. Right. And uh, what I love is that there was a time when the people in his class felt the way about him, the way people do now about people like Elizabeth or uh, you know Billy or whomever. And it's like, yeah, but in 20 years, will they be Judge Reinhold? Yeah. Where Beth Hawks doesn't know who he is? Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not fuck you to anybody. No. He had an amazing career. He still has a career that he's in stuff, I imagine, from time to time. Yeah. But he had a, a moment when he was the big fucking thing. Yeah. And even Billy. How many people do you meet who know Billy Magnuson's oh name? Oh, my God. No. I have to tell them. his the, fucking name. No, nobody. nobody I have to tell him. Name. I tell him it's the prince from uh, Into the Woods. And See, people we are run like, in different circles. I'm like, he's the black mirror guy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. Game Night. Those yeah. are the two things. Yeah, yeah, totally. But even Game Night, it's or like, Maniac. holy shit. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think is interesting. Yeah. Because it's like, it, it's all perspective, right? Yeah. And it all changes. And this idea that, like, somebody popped, like, th it means it that day. Yeah. Especially, like, with, like, Donald Trump as our president. We don't remember news further than three weeks ago. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. So who gives a shit? who's on Netflix right now and who's going to be on it next year yeah. or who's going to be on it in 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I also, what I want to say too, is I wish that the school or schools in general had the same perspective on that sure. as that, because 
like all the people that came for talkbacks at school were these like huge people. We're like, oh my god! And they were like, and then I auditioned and I got it. And you're like, well, that's exactly how it works. Like, and I wished so badly that they would have normal people coming down and be like, yeah, I wait tables. And one time I almost booked a show. That was awesome. And like, right. but I'm still happy. And that would have been the most inspiring. And like, truthfully, that is exactly that's exactly the void that this show fills. That's the yeah, point. Yeah, that's what um, I love. You know, there's plenty of people who have done a lot of great things that I can't wait to talk to. But yeah. um, there is nothing about what you've done since you graduated that qualifies or disqualifies you for the show. The it, only thing yeah. that matters is that you went to school there. Yeah, I love it. Period. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Well, thanks for being a part of it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really lovely. I always like it when I get to talk to people that I don't know as well. Yeah, it's fun. Like, you and I don't really know each other at all. Yeah, no, I think we hung out once at school. <laughs> Did we? Yeah, we hung out once with Becca oh, that in makes y'all's sense. apartment. I feel like it was one of those things of, like, sometimes the drama school, a little bit of a head of it, up its own ass thing, is it can feel like this little mini Hollywood where, like, the seniors are, like, Oh, famous yeah. people and you're like oh well there you see them at the parties and they clearly got dressed like they knew they were going to be somebody at this party yeah <laughs> and we had this dynamic of like oh you guys are like a famous couple and we're like a famous couple yeah, and yeah. oh my god it's good to <laughs> see you again at we, this party all right yeah. bye no ethan and i we hung we hung out with you two and we were like right. because we're couples we should hang out like so we're dumb. yeah it's so funny i'm sure we had a lovely time we did i mean you're we lovely lot, people and um thanks uh yeah it was good but yeah it's it's funny how you like, if someone was like, do you know Beth Hawks? I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, now I know you much yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, but you But, like, too. a week ago, it would have been like, yeah, totally. I definitely know her. Yeah. Do I know her? Fucking no. Not yeah, really at all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but now I do, and I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have to have you back on. Yeah. So I've been reading. Beth Hawks is a 2016 graduate of the School of Drama. At the Elephants is produced, hosted, and edited by Rob Morris in Silver Lake, California. 